Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And Bobby Snyder. And this is the Rocker Recovery. We're back. Uh, this is uh, Rocker Recovery Overcoming Trauma Lesson 8 in um, the Trauma Book. The title of the is Sober Thinking Principles. So we need to have um, sober thinking skills as well as being uh, chemically sober. So read the scripture, Bobby. Have no fear of sudden disaster, Proverbs 3.25. You know, the Lord gave me this verse one day. <laughs> I, you know, my loved one was, you know, I, it was just going from one crazy thing after the other. About every couple of weeks, there'd be this major, major crisis, this uh, a suicide attempt, an overdose, uh, you know, prison. It, it would just be something absolutely insane about every two or three weeks. And I can remember hearing him say, have no fear of sudden disaster. And I thought, well, why do I need that verse right now? And literally within 15 minutes, the phone rang with another disaster. And the Lord was telling me, hey, I got this. Don't be afraid. He's always getting us ready. Yeah, don't be afraid. So it was like the Lord was just letting me know, do not be afraid afraid of sudden disaster. So what would it look like if we were just never afraid? I don't know. There's some, there's some good things about fear. Okay. You know, there, there, there is some good fear. The reason that I look both ways before I cross the street <laughs> is because I'm afraid I'm going to get smushed by a car. You know, I have eight, I have eight <laughs> lessons of fear on my, uh, my AngieGMeadows.com uh, Bible study site. There are eight audio lessons and on fear. And check those out? AngieGMeadows.com. It's on my Bible study site. And this is really cool because I was one fearful ball. And so the Lord taught me to how to have be a little, a little rock of courage the big book says fear should be classified with stealing because it causes more problems oh it steals your peace yeah. your joy your happiness okay introduction bobby introduction foundational scriptural principles instruct us to master our thinking we cannot let emotions rule our decisions there must be solid ground to mature thinking so we either are standing on the rock of jesus christ or we're sinking in quicksand of emotions so we need to think maturely. Number one, think and speak in terms of recovery. Identifying our thinking and inner core emotions is key to challenging their validity. Many thoughts and emotions have been birthed out of lies. Speak to yourselves in a healthy manner. If we want to be whole, we cannot keep predicting disaster. So what does your self-talk say to you? Hmm. You know, I, I have been spending a week or so identifying my core beliefs and helping my girls in recovery identify their core beliefs. And, and I've realized that we have a lot of false beliefs. Uh, we believe that we're not worthy. We believe that, that God wouldn't, wouldn't accept us. We believe that uh, we're unwanted or that we're not able to move forward or that, that we will never recover, that we deserve this as punishment, you know, this, this in and out of addiction all the time. And uh, just identifying those false beliefs can be empowering. So I want you to think about what are you saying to yourself and whose voice is that? Is that somebody from your past? Is that a parent? Is that somebody that was beating you down with a negative talk and now you've internalized it and it's become your negative self-talk? Um, when you can do this, now you can start taking a power over that and stop your obsessing. And you can learn to preach to yourself. So I want you to learn to preach the promises of God and to renounce the doomsday cloud that's hanging over you. Number two, regeneration and renewal leads to restor restoration. 
Restoration. <laughs> Restoration. There's a process of receiving God's mercy and cooperating with the Holy Spirit to heal us from the inside out. This inner washing, forgiving and repenting, and having the power to change comes from asking for God's mercy upon us. At one time, we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He saved us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's Titus 3, 3 and 5. Wow. <laughs> At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. <laughs> that's so... That's so <laughs> okay, so what's, what's the cure? The washing and regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. So what dysfunctional behaviors or exaggerated emotions have stolen your freedom today? I want you to think about that. Number three. Number three, honorable living produces teachability. There are two character traits in this verse, moral purity and humility. Discipline yourself to not look at moral filth and evil. Instead, be humble and focus on the truth of God's word. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth an evil that is so prevalent and humbling, accept the word planted or engrafted in you, which can save you. That's James 1.21. So how do I humble myself before God and others? Hmm. Let's look. I humble myself and I plant the word of God in me. And as I plant the word of God in me, as I speak his words over me, instead of my foolish thoughts, now I have humbled myself before God. So I want you to understand that lust and anger are siblings. To defeat lust, you must address your anger. Anger is rooted in unforgiveness and pride or some other deep wound to protect yourself. Do not beat yourself up if you have passive thinking of lustfulness. This is just an immature part of myself that's trying to comfort my inner pain that needs to be overcome. So whenever I'm maybe having thoughts that I know aren't right, I don't want to be sitting there beating myself up because that's going to be counterproductive. That's not going to be looking at why am I having those thoughts? Why do I need that in my life? And what, what other pain is that covering up? So number four. Discipline your thinking to stop dwelling on things that are not happening. Hmm. <laughs> Often the hardest maturity skills to learn is not to think every stupid thought that comes into your head. One of the hardest maturity skills to learn is to not think every stupid thought that comes into our head. <laughs> every stupid thought. Just let it go. Yeah, let recognize it go the on. thought and observe it, but don't identify with it. Uh, once you've thought, or something, thought on something and, and it cannot be fixed or changed today, then stop thinking about it and go on and enjoy your day. Yeah, take a deep breath. Shake it off and get up and just do the next right thing. Just Exhale. get, just get, yeah, just get busy, uh, doing something else, something productive, and and let that move. Don't let it, don't let it stick to you. So the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, imaginations, and every pretentious thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take 
captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. So I, you know, once I had ladies tell me, you can't tell people how to think. And I'm like, well, God tells me how to think. And when I follow it, I'm at peace. And when I follow my own silly thoughts, I'm restless. So what thoughts causes you suffering and needs to change? Anything that's causing me a lot of suffering, I need to start changing those that those types of thinking patterns. Indeed. Number five, press into God's word until it comes alive and active in your spirit. Many years ago, I dutifully read my Bible every day. When I shut the book, I had no clue what I had to read. <laughs> so I challenged God and said, if this is your word and you make it alive in me, then make it alive in me. If not, it's just words on a page. Within hours, my friend gave me an easier version of the Bible to read, and it read like a story. I finished the entire Bible within a few weeks. The Word was alive. Uh, scripture says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 so yes, let that let that word of God be your sword. Let it really just split right down the middle what's soul and what's spirit. And so that you can get out of that carnal thinking patterns and you can get those sober thinking that's spiritual that's that's replacing the toxic thought. So I want I have a few camping spots in the Bible, Bobby, uh, Hebrews 12, Psalms 103, James 3, John 15. Those are my little camping spots. And when I am confused and I don't have anywhere else to go, I just sit down in one of my little camping spots. I might have read it a dozen times or even a hundred times before, but that day when I decide to camp right there on God's Word, I'm going to be fed again and I'm going to be fed afresh and it's going to heal my heart for that day. I'm definitely one of the people that have, uh, I prefer to read uh, modern, more modern translations of the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, I read a lot of uh, fiction. Uh, outside, sec even secular stuff. Uh, I'm a big Stephen King fan and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So I read a lot, uh, but when I'm when I'm reading to to, to get fulfilled by the Word of God, I I I, I don't want to struggle with the awkwardness that like the other versions have for me my, because it feels like I'm using too much of my brain to decipher what it means, right. as well as ingesting the Word into my soul. Um, I know it's a controversial t t subject on some things, but you know I really rely a lot on the message version and the, the passion translation uh, because to me it's it's that's when I'm having a conversation with God in my head, I, I'm hearing things come to me the way that I talk and the way that I communicate. Right. So it, that, it makes it easier for me to read it like that as well. Now I, I like reading versions like that, but when I memorize. I love to memorize the King's James because it's it's language that's higher than me. It's poetic, and it, it takes me to like a higher place. And, and it's very hard for me to memorize like conversation. But I can memorize the King's James because it's kind of like I'm memorizing poetry. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the grace, greatest blessings of finding Christ is finding peace. Peace for my tormented mind because I do not yet quite 
comprehend eternal salvation. But a quiet, peaceful heart and mind is a priceless gift of following the Savior. So do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. So I just have to stop. I have to stop. I have to slow down. I have to stop that racing, rapid thinking. And in order to do that, I meditate on his thoughts it's like I get a little a little um, intention for the day I'm going to be content in all things I'm going to rejoice in all things I'm going to be grateful in all things and I keep moving myself back to that so as I set my intention for the day then those thoughts don't take me down that rabbit trail because I stop them and I stop conforming to the world so name one way to intentionally transform and renew your mind Okay, go ahead and read the scripture, Bobby. Next scripture, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts it is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. James 1, 5 through 8. Name one thing that causes you to be double-minded. So I want you to think about it. What are you confused about? You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You will, you won't, you will, you won't. <laughs> so double-mindedness is a constant mental storm. And it's very painful to be setting in double-mindedness. So I want you to really think about that. Think about what, what, what's struggling with you there. And, and, and do what this scripture says. Ask God for wisdom. Just lay it down. Say, there it is, Lord. Would you give me wisdom right there? And then as I seek him, I can start listening for the answer. And he'll give me an answer either in uh, a sermon, a message that I'm listening to on the radio, uh, on a podcast, uh, in church. He, he'll send me a Christian friend who will give me the answer. I'll open his word and right there will be the answer. And I know it's the answer because it stops that storm. It stops that unstable thinking, feeling, and it gives me uh, an internal peace. So number seven. Double-mindedness mm -hmm. is a constant mental storm. Uh, mm -hmm. God does his part and we are responsible to cooperate and do our portion. This is work. Working out our salvation is being consciously aware of an imbalance in our lives and asking God to give us wisdom for healing. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will an act to will an act, will an act to act accordingly to his good purpose. Mm -hmm. Philippians two twelve B through thirteen. So what do I struggle with most? Can I completely turn this over to God? So what would it look like? The thing that you're holding on to so tightly, what would it look like if you just surrendered it? So when I'm striving, I'm doing my own will. When I'm emotionally resting, I am doing God's will. So now I want you to name your struggles and give them to the Lord. Now think about it. We've got emotional struggles. struggles. We can look at physical struggles, financial struggles, and relational struggles. Let's go back here. Four so, categories. Yeah, so look at all the emotions that you're struggling with and name each one of them. If I can get a name on it, then I can start working the recovery. If it's anger, if it's bitterness, if it's hatred, if it's greed, if it's um, 
uh, a hopeless feeling. If I can get a name on it now, I've got something to bring before the Lord and start seeking some scriptures to help me. It's seeking a path to recovery, physical struggles, health struggles. I can start researching how to make myself healthier, financial struggles. I can start researching and praying about it and asking the Lord to help me find, uh, like Bobby says, a budget and a way to track my money. And then relational struggles. I can't control the other person, but I sure can change me. Mm -hmm. I can decide whether or not this is a healthy relationship or a toxic one. So I want you to look at those four categories, emotional, physical, financial, and relational. And I want you to look at the things that are making you double-minded. And I want you to lay them at the feet of the Lord so that you can find peace. Because the Lord says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that we will find rest for our souls when we come into him. So if I'm not walking in rest, Hebrews 4.10 says, uh, he that has entered into my rest has ceased or stopped his own work. So if I'm not resting, I'm doing my my deal. I've got my thing going on. But as soon as I can yield to the Lord and say, there it is, Lord, I'm going to rest in you. I, I've stopped my own work, and now the Lord can work in and through me. Number eight, Bobby. A consistent, intentional act of choosing the fruit of the Spirit as an inner core response will heal a trauma wound. The whole person does not have to need to act with a selfish nature. A whole person does not need to act with a selfish nature. So if there's parts of me that are fragmented, that are immature, that are struggling, of course I'm going to be selfish. That's a survival skill. Uh, so when you drop into some of that, just realize that, man, you're just trying to survive. And instead, we're going to start shifting that and learn some maturity. So could a selfish nature be a protective mechanism to keep our hearts from suffering and hide our emotional wounds? Hmm, that's going to make you look at selfishness a lot differently, isn't it? Definitely. Okay, the exercise here today. The acts of selfish nature become habitual. What used to be an occasional hunch or inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. <laughs> yep. The wounded spirit opens us up to inner core response that causes deep suffering. In general, it seems we default to these dysfunctional, dysfunctional coping skills to give momentary releases of emotional pain or to feel like we're in control, even though these, these behaviors cause more wounds and cause more trauma. They also give us drunk or inebriated relationships that are characterized by intense passion and intense confusion. We need a safe place to heal. So the acts of a sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of selfish of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. So what relationships are selfish and not sober? And who are your safe people? Hmm. That's going to be helping us to identify some things today, isn't it? Sure. Okay. When we heal from trauma and change our inner core responses to the fruit of the Spirit, selfishness will disappear. Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So selfishness is clinging to the flesh and trying to do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. So name who and what is causing your suffering, and is there anything within your power to change? Now the application. Be completely changed. This renewal thinking takes time and a consistent, intentional choosing of mature character. Be gracious and show yourself kindness 
as you are growing and maturing. So a lot of times in recovery programs, there's a journaling component where we where the kids uh, sit and journal and they write and they have their quiet time and their devotion. So when they get out of recovery, uh, no one's telling them, oh, you have to do this at 6.30 every morning. If they lose that, then they have a, a more confusion in their life because they don't have the space. They haven't created the space to sit with themselves and to think about what it is that they're doing. And instead they just start doing randomly moving and not really thinking through what's going on. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old thing has gone. The old thing has gone and the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So I want you to sit with yourself. Give yourself some time and some space to become that new creature so that you can decide what it is that you want to hold on to that's new and what it is that's old in your behaviors that you want to let go of. One thing I'm blessed to be in a position that I live by myself and I am able to, I used to, a long time ago I was that guy that if I had to be at work at 8 o'clock I was up at 7.40, brush my teeth, put the clothes on, run out the door. And now I'm usually awake at least two hours before I even leave the house mm -hmm. uh, because I'm there by myself, because I can uh, I can get into, uh, I, there's a section of the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous that I read every day. I read a couple of devotionals that are scripture-based, and I get plugged in, and I listen, and I get plugged into what that 11th step says for us to do. It's really been a big focus of mine lately that I pray for only knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. Mm -hmm. You know, that, and it really just covers it up in a general statement. But there's so many dynamics that are involved with just that simple statement. Knowing what God's will is for me has a lot of layers. And given the power to carry that out has a lot of layers. And there's a lot of things that I can do. It's not like he's going to snap his fingers and I'm going to have the power to do his will that day. Right. It's a whole succession of tiny little events and decisions. And good decisions. And, and yes. making good decisions. So. so a lot of times we just have to, um, maturity goes emotionally above circumstances. So we have to renounce certain things in our life that are, that are just kind of like bitterness. Um, sometimes I just, I can hear it. I can hear it leeching out of what I'm saying. And I'm like, yeah, no, I've got to get mature and go above this circumstance. I got to, I got to go back to this thinking principle, which will renew my thinking. Maturity goes above emotional, goes emotionally above circumstances. And I have to renounce that bitterness. And as I do that, now I can start moving through. So the prophet Habakkuk is describing his mature response to tragedy. He says, there are no figs, no grapes, no olives, no food in the field, no sheep, no cattle. And yet he chooses to rejoice in the Lord. The Lord gives him strength to have feet like a deer. A deer is very steady on the rocks, the cliffs, and the ledges of a mountain. This is an analogy of higher ground, above circumstances, and certainly above the prophet's fears, his pounding heart, his quivering lips, his achy bones, and his shaky legs. And here's how it reads. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come. 
on the nation invading us. Though the fig does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to high grounds, high places. And that's Habakkuk. 3, 16 through 19. So part of what I have learned is to go above my emotions. As I can go above my emotions, now I can get to higher ground. So there's a chart at the end of this chapter called Higher Ground Emotional Training. So let's go through this, Bobby. Number one. The first uh, box says recognize the thought or action that triggered the trauma anxiety. Mm. Number two. Recognize the pre-programmed inner core response. Now we're going back through and we're talking about our trauma, our trauma lessons, our inner core responses. Uh, if your central nervous system is broken, you're going to feel it. You're going to get short of breath, panicky. Uh, you're going to have self-pity. You're going to go into confusion. Confusion It's going to be this whole little inner core pattern. If you've got trauma around uh, attachment problems and around um, um, emotions stuck in your DNA. So are you able to recognize when you get imbalanced immediately or did it simmer for days and then slowly leak out? The benefit of taking a daily inventory. Mm -hmm. Three, take one uncomfortable circumstance in your life and go above the negative emotions and be joyful in God. This is a conscious choice. You can choose how you feel. Hmm. Look at that. I can just take that a negative emotion and say, up. Oh, there it is, Lord. I give you this discontentment. I give you this thing that's making me suffer. I give you this fearfulness, this self-pity, Lord, and I rejoice in you because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Number, Number four. four, it's most likely not about you. No way. It's all about me. <laughs> I take things personal. Develop broad shoulders and thick skin. Sometimes I need thicker skin. Me too. Yeah. So the exercise here is slow down to take a deep breath and rebalance. A long, slow, four-second inhale, a six-second ex exhale will disengage the fight-or-flight sympathetic nervous system and the exaggerated emotional response and engage your calm parasympathetic nervous system and this will help retrain you a lot of times i just need to reconnect to me and reconnect to my breath it's like a controlled sigh mm -hmm. <laughs> number five if this if it was about you repent quickly or forgive and release yourself and the other person Number six. We have a step for that as well. It's number 10. <laughs> number six. Now choose a fruit of the Spirit response. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. <laughs> for example, if you feel rejection, you can choose patience and love for the person and then trust that they can find their own way in life without interference from you. Yeah. I don't have to control everything. That's right. Sometimes you just got to let people find their own way, and you got to trust that they can do that. Yeah. And sometimes I look at them and say, I, I just, you know, I know you're going to land on your feet on this one. I know you are. And a few days later, they've landed on their feet. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> so consider this a test of character. Choose a character skill to work on. These healthy character choices will give me stability and heal trauma and reprogram my inner core responses. So as I don't know what to do and I got all this confusion going on, what if I just flipped and decided to 
practice a character skill like humility, truthfulness, loyalty, kindness, courage, obedience, respect, compassion, generosity, contentment, flexibility, orderliness, attentiveness, steadfastness, gratefulness, enthusiasm, endurance, determination, and dependability. What if I just chose one and just worked on it? What would it look like for to have compassion right here? Number eight, when a negative emotion comes, you have about three to five seconds to reject it before it takes hold in your mind and forces itself to be played out. So if you have addictive thinking, sometimes you hit that same button over and over and over again, and it's got to replay the whole story, and you've got to do the whole wine thing again. If you've been stuck there for a month, for a year, for 10 years, you, you just got to stop it. As soon as it comes, you got to say, ah, eh, oh, no, I'm taking that thought captive. I'm giving it to the Lord. I renounce it. I ain't thinking that today. It goes nowhere. You just got to get rid of it. I always think when, I, when I'm thinking about stuff like this, I think about the old days when they had covered wagons and they, they would, they would, or even like any kind of vehicle that had those wooden wheels and they would, when they travel over a road so many times, they made big ruts in them. Mm -hmm. and, and that's was, exactly right. And that's exactly where they would go every time. They wouldn't even have to steer after a period of time. That's right. It would automatically go there. So we have to like jump out of the ruts. Right. Uh, that's and, intentional. And, and that requires a lot of effort as well to try mm -hmm. to steer out of the ruts and get going in a different direction. Yeah, so listen to and acknowledge any grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining are good indicators that you are out of balance and have work that needs done to recalibrate to find your peace. Grumbling, complaining, or bitterness are quick roads back to your trauma trap. If the work is not done soon, suffocating anxiety may develop. It is necessary to discover the emotional responses to a wound that leads to the addiction of negative thinking traps. Brain chemicals produced by indulging negative emotions can be addictive and dysfunctional friends. Whew. Okay, read the scripture. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 36 to 37. Well, and out of the heart the man speaks. So um, whatever I allow in my heart is what's going to be coming out of my mouth. So if I'm accountable for what's coming out of my mouth, then the only way I'm going to control that is to, is to control what I allow Your next source. to my heart. Yes. So make sure I've got a good, healthy heart. So, Lord, break the chains of passive, drunken thinking. Let me discover the things that bind me repeatedly. I am tired of grinding the grain of anxiety. Release me and empower me to heal. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. This is The Rock and Recovery. This is Angie Meadows. I'm Larry Snyder. And we're glad you enjoyed us today. You can find a repeat of these lessons on The Rock and Recovery podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.